So, Keith, have you heard? Dwayne The Rock Johnson has put together an exploratory committee to consider running for president in 2020. Yo, Elliot, I saw that, and I don't know how I feel about that. You know, a wrestler as president just seems a little like the movie Idiocracy. Oh, we are well past Idiocracy right now. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? Who's scruffy-looking? I give you my word. He's gonna fix the dust on you. <laughs> Counter Geek, episode number 94. I'm Keith Conrad, as always, joined by uh, Elliot Serrano. You can follow me on Twitter, at Keith R. Conrad, on Twitter, and uh, Elliot is uh, at Elliot Serrano. Uh, two L's, two T's, a couple R's, a few other letters, too. But, you know, those and, a are the... bunch of, and a bunch of O's. I don't know where they go. They just go everywhere. And, and there's a pound sign in there for some reason. And an underscore and a smiley face, a winky emoji. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you can follow the show at Geek Counter Geek, uh, Geek Counter Geek on Facebook, facebook.com slash Geek Counter Geek. You can email us if you'd like to and, uh, you know, give us the old, give us the, the what for, uh, geekcountergeek at gmail.com. And, uh, Elliot, right before we uh, started recording, we got some uh, very sad news that uh, George Romero died at the age of uh, 77. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure which I was expecting for us to lose first, uh, uh, Stanley or George Romero, but it ended up being George Romero. Well, uh, Stanley is holding on like Betty White. He I really mean, is. I'm telling you, he is not going, he is... You know, he, uh, he uh, I don't I don't want to say he's got a horcrux, you know, anywhere, although that could be it. He could be like many of the there's a fantastic Ford number one out there somewhere where the, the last bit of Stanley's force is holding on, <laughs> you know. But but um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's sad. George Romero passed away. He passed away. I'm from what I understand, listening to his favorite bit of music. Um, um, and, 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 you know, it's like, again, it's, um, it's a natural passing thing. I'm, I believe he, you know, like most folks at his age, he was, um, dealing with some health issues. Well, and, 77 these days seems, uh, seems a little young. Yeah. 70, 70, absolutely. Mar uh, um, Harrison Ford is going to be starring in the fifth Indiana Jones movie, um, at 77. Yeah. Cause he just so, turned yeah. 75 this week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, um, I believe uh, isn't uh, Patrick. I think Patrick Stewart might be seventy-seven. So you think about that guy. I mean, he's he's lifting like he, he's lifting cars over his head just you know just because he can, and uh, and and he's he's that age. So yeah, seventy-seven, not uh, not quite the age accomplishment that it used to be. 
Now, set, but they say seventies, the seventies are the new sixties. Yeah, that's what so, I've heard. Yeah. So you know, it's a sad thing, and it's funny too because um, Romero was kind of in the middle of um, uh, trying to revisit the whole the zombie genre that he he helped you know that he created. And um, trying to figure out um, new ways of telling stories through him. He wasn't the, the biggest fan of things like that are going on with The Walking Dead and a lot of the new zombie movies. So, curious to see um, what comes up and what you know what people do to continue his um, his legacy. Now, I'm a big fan of the original one, but I never quite got into the uh, you know the follow-ups quite as much. It seemed like the like the first one was actually the only movie that tried to come up with some, any sort of explanation. Of what was going on, because I remember uh, in the original one, wasn't it supposed to be like a, a satellite crashed to Earth and the radioactivity from it caused all the uh, all the living impaired people to uh, to suddenly rise from the graves? I, I think that was what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always some sort of extraterrestrial virus or radiation or or something or the other. Um, and then, Maybe it was something know. about the, the, the fact that the first one was in black and white. It just it just always seemed like uh, just always seemed like the the gold standard to me. Like the the, the other ones just never quite measured up to me, for me at least. Anyway. Right, it, the the black and white does lend to the creep factor in the film, and it, it just and and it does it holds up. You know, really, it does hold up um, over the years. I mean, there, there's that opening sequence with the zombies in the very beginning, where you know, I mean, and, and the makeup. I say it holds up, although like you look at how the zombies looked in the in in the original movies, it's just folks who look very pale, you know. <laughs> and in black and white, that's kind of weird, right? You know, so it's like you, you think, oh my goodness, it's Attack of the Goths, but you know, they, <laughs> they hadn't quite gotten that point where you know the make you know the makeup effects made it look like you had rotting flesh and you know your bottom jaw hanging off. That's stuff that would come later. Which yes, Romero would help pioneer in, in later movies. But I think thematically, when you look at the first movie, you know, Night of the Living Dead and how it works and, and it's, it's, it's commentary. I mean, it, you could pretty much look at it the same way as like we look at the, um, we talked about this a few podcasts ago, about the, the Batman movie with Adam West, you know, very much a product of its time. And very true to itself, you know, really campy and funny and and so on. But you watch it today, you're like, wow, they knew what they wanted to be and that's what they were. And it's and I get everything that they were trying to do. Same goes with, you know, the first um, Night of the Living Dead. You know, it was a really much, very much social commentary. And um, it still holds up, you know, especially these days. Yeah, when I'm uh, when I see the people dodging the. the uh, the the zombies trying to eat their brains. I do think this is uh, this is great social commentary. <laughs> That's a life on Twitter. And, and <laughs> that is that. I, I think that was also the only one where they were specifically trying to eat people's brains, wasn't it? Uh, that's I think that's kind of well again you know um the idea of the zombie eating brains has been I'm, I'm not sure where that exactly started but yeah there's a bit where um I think it said like on the television or on the radio. Where they announced that these zombies are trying to eat people's brains. And that's like that's the horrifying part of it. And and then it's, somebody there was a zombie a spokesperson who just said, you know, that's fake news. We're just trying to convert <laughs> people into zombies. We're don't we don't care about their brains. You know. I'm telling you, it's like 
It, it, it's it no the zombies aren't the, the, well and then later on they'll say it wasn't that the zombies want to eat your brains is that you know we're economically distressed and you know we <laughs> want you know the zombie jobs need to come back we were promised zombie jobs zombie mi- manufacturing jobs that's that's yeah. really what we're after pretty much so you know blame those damn democrats for taking away our zombie jobs <laughs> Obama, thanks, Obama. We we need to build a wall to keep the keep the uh, the the living in. The living in. There you yeah. go. Right. So you know, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. So again, yeah. Back to that. I mean, it works on so many um, uh, thematic levels and symbolic levels, and 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 all that, and 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 still has the most frustrating ending of all. Um, at the end of Night of the Living Dead, I don't want to give it away. Let's just say a character that you. And the you know you're rooting for, and he goes through so much hell, um, just to to make it to the end of the movie, um, ends up meeting a fate that was totally undeserved, and I think set the precedent for what happens to black people in horror movies. Yeah, I, I, you know, ac- actually, when you think about the timing of uh, Night of the Living Dead, it, yeah, it, pr- it probably did establish that trope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean. You know, it was, it was released like around the time the whole civil rights movement was going on. And that was the thing that George Romero was trying to do. He was giving commentary on those things, you know. And, and, and again, that's really what zombies are. And really monsters in general are, are that. They are, you know, they are social construct. Um, they are uh, symbols of the things that, you know, we fear, the things that – um, happen in society, just like superheroes are. Superheroes are power fantasies. They are a response to the things that we fear and we feel helpless in um, in dealing with. So, you know, monsters are, you know, the bad. Superheroes are supposed to be the good, and and that's how they they generally work within um within storytelling. Mind you, you can always flip flop them back and forth. I mean, now we're dealing with you know monsters. Um, can be um, symbols of ignorance, or um, the people how people deal with monsters could be um, the, the the how we deal with ignorance, and and that the monsters are just the unknown that we fear. So, I can you imagine if they were actually uh, if they had waited a few years to reboot uh, Superman, and they decided they were going to do a, uh, a you know Lex Luthor. I mean, th- there's no way it wouldn't be Donald Trump. Like, they, they would just take <laughs> Donald Trump speeches and just have a bald guy read them, and, and that, would, that would be the movie. You know, I went back. I was just in the mood to see the first Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movie again. I was like, oh, my God. Gene Hackman was so ahead of his time. I mean, you know, Lex Luthor was... Uh, a Donald Trump character, albeit way smarter. Uh, I, 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 I commented on on, on, on on Twitter that, you know, Donald Trump is essentially Superman's, you know, the Christopher Reeve, uh, Superman Lex Luthor, but with the brain of Otis. So, I, you know, that's, that's not a bad combination. Yeah, that, 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 that works. But again, back to, you know, again, it's it's how these characters can often symbolize um, things in society and the things you see in media. And uh, it's really hard now more and more to separate them these days 
because media informs so much of our entertainment. You know, anyone who, you know, you, you hear this all the time. People complaining, you know, like, it, oh, you know, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want this movie. You know, these movies are just full of politics. and They want to make social commentaries, man. I don't want, you know, I don't want any politics in my movies. I just want to be entertained. I'm like, seriously? You know, you realize that, that film and books and comics and cartoons, all that, that there is, it is strewn with social commentary. It is strewn with all these different, you know, um, um, opinions that the artists that created it have. And it, so if you were like utterly blind to it, you know, I'll say, what is wrong with you? Because it's there, it's everywhere. It's not this new thing that just started coming up. It's yeah, I mean, these- look at the, uh, to your point, look at the Twilight Zone, for example. You know, uh, uh, Rod Serling, uh, you know, talked about how in the uh, in, in the, uh, the the writing that he had done for TV beforehand, it was so censored, you know, that that you couldn't even mention Republican or Democrat in in anything on on TV at the time. And so when he started doing the Twilight Zone, people were like, oh, well, you're just doing fantasy stuff now. And, you know, you're not going to do anything serious on TV anymore. And he was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's it. I'm not going to do anything serious on TV anymore. <laughs> and then, you know, when you when you watch them, you realize, oh, wait, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, the monsters are doing Maple Street. The, that's that's pretty much beating you over the head with, uh, you know, the, the politics of the day. So, you know, it, it's not like it's really anything new. I think I think the writers were just a little bit better then, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, right, I think writers are good all over. I, I, the problem, too, is now it, on the opposite side, you can also have people will want to read um, a, a political slant into everything. I mean, that's true. Even, yeah. Even, even when it is like actually like, you know, when NPR quotes the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, and people start tweeting at NPR that they're split, spreading liberal trash, criticizing the president. <laughs> that, wow. that 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 was when uh, that was when American politics went to plaid. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, I don't know. Maybe which, maybe which by the way, those same people were probably uh, um, uh, probably also complaining that NPR isn't pro-American enough. But you know, that that suddenly so they start tweeting literally just passages out of the Declaration of Independence, and oh, they're being anti-Trump. Yep. So, yeah, it, it, again, you know, it's everywhere. Uh, and not that we get, I, I hate making a remembrance of George Romero, um, you know, turn it into a anti-Trump rant. But I don't think he would have argued so much because I think when he created the zombies, he was pretty much foreseeing <laughs> the 60 some million people who elected our current president. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, or, again, you know, man, I, I, I think you could uh, you could say he was for saying uh, trouble ahead, not necessarily uh, you know any anything specific, but the the potential for trouble. It's potential for trouble. And again, uh, co- commentary and hate mail can go to geekcountergeek at gmail dot com if you want to <laughs> tell me what a liberal pinko stinky whatever i am i would i'd love to hear but uh, please put your spell check on and don't do it in all caps yeah it, that, that's just shouting it's rude shouting 
But please check your spelling. I'd appreciate that. Uh, but if you want a raucous debate, one uh, podcast you might want to listen to is uh, The Master Debaters. I see what they did there. Uh, you know, this week they're actually tackling a topic that uh, that we've touched on here and there uh, a, a few times here on Geek Counter Geek. Uh, what's up with all the movie remakes and can't anybody come up with a new idea? And, uh, and uh, I, I know that you have uh, long held the belief that while there are a, a lot of remakes out there, there's plenty of original stuff, too. So, you know, if there, there's, a, there's a mix of... Uh, of new material and remakes, so quit whining about it. Yeah, because I mean, look at it. Uh, Get Out was new, right? Um, uh, what else? Uh, uh, well, I want to say Baby Driver. Yeah, I, I was about to say Baby Driver. I think that is the the number one movie, isn't it? So, well, yeah. Um, and so we've had a lot of new stuff out there, and new stuff shows up at the cinema all the time. Um, look at you at the cinema. At the cinema, uh, but it, it just doesn't get the same kind of publicity and and and. People just don't talk about it. So I say start talking about it more and go from there. Uh, Dunkirk isn't a remake. That's coming out next week. Coming out next week. I got an invite to the press uh, screening of Dunkirk. Um, I'm not sure I can make it, though. Well, you know, are those transferable? Because I would totally be into that. Um, I'll see if I can do that. Yeah, I'll see if I can send it over to you. It's a three-hour movie, man. No, it's actually, uh, I think, an hour and 40 minutes. It's it's really short. It's... it's, uh, I'd have... I have to look at the invite then again because I thought it was long, and that's why I think I couldn't. Well, make it, I mean, yeah. in in fairness, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, so you could be forgiven for for believing that it was going to be long. But I believe that uh, they they've been talking about that actually quite a bit this week. That it's it's shorter, much shorter than your average uh, Christopher Nolan movie, and that's because it's essentially so intense that he didn't feel like you know you could really that the audience could really stand more than it's a, it's an hour and 46 minutes so it's, it's shorter stay more than yeah shorter than two hours okay cool <clears throat> uh um, yeah. but but and you know what uh they're gonna he, christopher nolan's gonna get my money anyway so you know i'll, I'll just go see it friday it, it's it's fine you're welcome chris no. <laughs> uh in, in addition to uh the master debaters uh your friends at uh, caffeinated comics uh, they're actually comparing Spider-Man in the comics versus uh, the movies, since obviously Spider-Man is uh, is big news these days. Uh, like I said, I, I think Baby Driver is number one, but obviously Spider-Man: Homecoming has made a crap ton of money. Crap ton of money, and, and it's a it's a it's a metric crap ton of money, not an imperial crap ton of money. Like the inter- imperial credits or republic credits? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know John Clark and Stephen Brown had a little roundtable going for um, uh, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And, yeah, th- th- there was a, some – some uh, well, for as many folks who really loved Spider-Man Homecoming, there were even – there were a bunch of nerds who were mad about it. They didn't like, you know, the the AI suit that Spider-Man had that it was given by Tony Stark and a whole bunch of other things. So, you know, yeah, uh, check them out. You're going to hear a lot of uh, um, interesting um, – You'll hear a lot of um, masterful debating. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll defer to you on this one. Um, what wasn't that? Did, didn't that actually? Isn't that in the comics at some point? The the AI suit. Yeah. Uh, uh, later on, he gets the um, the Iron Spider suit. Yes, Tony Stark does give him a suit in uh, the Civil War comic. 
Um, and it's something more like armor, like Tony Stark's armor, which um, the, and if you saw the movie, uh, that particular armor shows up at the end of the film. You know, it, it makes a quick appearance. So um, especially if you're sort of combining a lot of uh, a lot of source material, it doesn't seem that, you know, it doesn't seem that odd to me. No. And again, if you want to make the, if you wanted to make this particular um, incarnation of Peter Parker to be different from the last two, yeah, you had to uh, switch things up a bit. And again, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't have a problem with it. To me, it annoys me more that I had more people defending Superman killing Zod in um, Man of Steel. Um, and they, those same nerds had an issue with Peter Parker having uh, a um, artificial intelligence in his spider suit. Come on, people. Come on. Yeah, that... Uh, well, you know, I... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I'd say that uh, Superman killing Zod was probably a little bit more out of left field than uh, than uh, than Peter Parker. Uh, Peter Parker uh, going to the Apple Store and having a little bit more high tech suit, <laughs> and then having the uh, Ben Riley Scarlet Spider suit, you know, near the end. So I I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah. But yeah, check them out. Uh, Caffeinated Comics, a great site. They'll talk more comics than we get a chance to here. Yeah, and of course, um, there's also the Dishing Bitches. The Dishing Bitches, who um, we are, as we speak, planning a crossover episode with them. It's just a matter of coordinating all our crazy schedules. Because, I mean, they those are some busy ladies. They're always doing things. You know, they have busy lives. You and I, on the other hand, you know, just I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy watching the lawn grow. I don't know if I can pull pull myself away from it. it, it for for me, it's it's watching the paint dry. It's just you just know? fantastic. It's riveting. It dries and you got to paint some more. Yeah. Like, oh wow. <laughs> and um, if you want to listen to um, uh, any of these podcasts, you obviously uh can do it using some great headphones and accessories from a, a tweaked audio sponsors of geek counter geek um, they offer key features such as eight colors and styles mic'd and non-mic'd versions if you for mic'd versions you can use those for uh, co-op gaming or um, answering phone calls they are designed to sound great for music and talk have noise-reducing design, and a lifetime warranty. So if you're going to order any of these great accessories, you want to go to tweakedaudio.com. That's tweakedaudio.com. Use the discount code GCG at checkout, and you will get 33% off your total purchase and free worldwide shipping. Again, that's 33% off and free worldwide shipping. The code is not case-sensitive, so remember, at checkout, enter GCG for Geek Counter Geek and let them know that we sent you. So even if you're Donald Trump and you want to send your pal Vlad a, a new pair of headphones, doesn't matter anywhere in the world, free worldwide shipping. These are the best headphones. They're bigly, they're huge. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while since we've had anything good to say about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and... Yeah, it, it, we, it seems like we've been a little rough on them, especially since, you know, it hasn't aired yet. But uh, uh, they are bringing a beloved member 
of the Star Trek franchise back in in a way. But uh, maybe you know, maybe not the way that uh, many people would like. But but still, they're they're doing it. Uh, Jonathan Frakes is going to be uh, making his triumphant return to the franchise as um as a director, right? He's going to direct um, an episode or two. Um, it's interesting how their this production company is going to going back to some of the folks who worked on previous Star Trek um, productions. Uh, Frakes, uh, you know, a lot of folks might not realize this, but um, you know, like uh, Star Trek Generations, the first uh, next gen film, didn't really do as well as a lot of folks um, expected it to. Um, got kind of mixed reviews. Um, didn't do that well in the box office. And, um, it, you know, you were thinking as they were doing the proverbial passing of the torch, you had William Shatner and um, Patrick Stewart together in a film. It was, you know, Kirk passing the, the baton over to um, Jean-Luc Picard. And just something about it just didn't didn't work for a lot of folks. I know it didn't work for me. I wasn't um, terribly pleased with how they, how they um, concluded Jim Kirk's um, story arc and then yeah i i don't i i don't know why uh, you know since you've already uh since you've already got scotty uh you know roaming the galaxy in his little shuttlecraft uh i don't know why you couldn't have done the same with kirk i don't know why there was any need for him to be killed off and i think i think for me that was why that always rubbed me the wrong way is mm-hmm. it was it was kind of predictable that that was going to happen and uh, you know it, it just seemed seemed completely pointless because uh you know, it it really would have been interesting if uh, you know, Kirk could have showed up later in in one of the subsequent movies or a Deep Space Nine episode or or something like that. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, but well, they and there were so many plot holes in that particular movie. Uh, well, again, so Jonathan Frakes was brought on board to direct First Contact, which where where you saw the Borg become the the chief villain. In um in the next film, and that one went over huge. It was hugely. It was bigly, bigly. Um, and yes. a lot of but a lot of folks gave Jonathan Frakes credit for that. That he um you know had the touch. He knew how to, um you know tell the story, work the story, work with the actors. Um had the movie was a lot of fun. Um and uh, Jonathan Frakes kind of got uh kind of um got dubbed. As the new uh, V Trek director, a lot like um, Leonard Nimoy on the classic films. Right. And actually, uh, you know, pretty similar situation, although uh, uh, Nimoy just had to, you know, pick up after uh, after Nicholas Meyer. And that movie did a little bit better than than Star Trek Generations. Right. Yeah. Well, the classic ones always did. And and then and, and, and of course, uh, Frakes got to continue the tradition of making all the even-numbered Star Trek films, but the good ones <laughs> with the odd number being kind of sucky. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, uh, it's that's kind of a bit of good news. But again, you know that while that's kind of fun and I'm, it it does pique my interest. You know, the big part of it is going to be what kind of scripts, you know, what kind of what are we doing here? There's been a lot of talk with Discovery. Like they say, this this whole thing. It's about how Star Trek Discovery takes place just 10 years before Kirk and Spock and McCoy, you know, and I'm like, okay, but is it 10? 
I'm assuming it's 10 years before the J.J. Abrams Spock. No, it's because... actually it's it is 10 years. They're, they're ignoring the J.J. Abrams universe. So this is actually the prime universe. It doesn't look like it, though. I mean, it no, it doesn't. Too shiny and new and 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 advanced, you know. Um, and I, I mean, even in Deep Space Nine episodes of Deep Space Nine, where they go back in time, and they did the episode where um, Cisco was on the bridge of the Enterprise uh, when he was on the Enterprise when the Tribbles hit, um, and he's going through, and they were like, they they it, you know, they acknowledge that that's how technology looked then. Uh, you look at the, at the bridge of the Enterprise in the classic series; it looks, you know, very. Well, it is dated. It's and, like and and by the way, if you but... if you look at say an aircraft carrier in the 1940s versus an aircraft carrier now, you know, 70 years later, yeah, there's a lot more technology, but the aesthetic is is actually not that different. Mm-hmm. So the idea that that they would go through you know this big change over the 10 years. That's not that uh, not that plausible, and you know you could come up with something that's a lot closer to the original series. I mean, really, you could use sets that look almost identical to the original series, but fill in a, a few more details, and it would probably look a lot better. Yeah, it, you know, because again, that's why I kept saying it seems like the J.J. Abrams universe because the deck, the deck of the Enterprise there looks like the Apple Genius Store. You know, it, it does. I mean, it really does. But but, but at least they have the excuse that it's an alternate, uh, you know, it's an alternate timeline. So, you know, you can just, you know, you can you can explain that away pretty easily. It's, you know, well, technology changed because of the, the Kelvin incident. Right. Whereas if it's the prime universe, the, the you know, you would think that the, the discovery should look more like a radio shack. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I, and I think that's. You know, it's probably easy to just kind of dismiss the the aesthetic of everything, but you know that could really take you out of the story. It does, and to me, it's like just make it Star Trek, and don't again if they just didn't keep hammering the whole. It's ten years before Kirk, and you know Kirk. I mean, why do you have to place it there? Why can't it be in the future? Why can't it be past the next generation cast? It seems like they always want to say stay stuck between Kirk. And the next gen crew, you know, and then you have, you know, then Enterprise was in there for a bit. And then, you you know, but they never want to go beyond outside those parameters. For the longest time, I've said, what you need to do is take Star Trek and go past next generation. You know, go beyond, you know, that. The next and, next generation. Yeah. And then and then just make it, you know, then really go crazy with the technological advancements and the looks and the aliens and all those things that would make more sense that way you're not like confined to this preconceived well, the, how things are established already within the, the star trek universe so i don't know that seems to be their thing yeah. and, I remember, and again you know we'll see what the scripts are like and if jonathan frakes brings a bit of humor and and um and humanity to it i think that's what's important yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, I know that, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, uh, you know, while uh, you may not uh, be be into it enough to actually, uh, you know, buy a, a CBS All Access subscription, I think we, I can safely say that we'll both definitely watch the first episode when it's on CBS. Yeah, now watch that and we'll see how that goes. Um, which, which uh, speaking of CBS, uh, I'd like to talk about this uh, probably next week uh, because there's just so much to talk about this week. 
Uh, but uh, Salvation on CBS is is uh, really good after one episode. Ah, okay. I, I saw a teaser for it, and it seemed very, um, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure what to make of it. So, you know, they're they're trying hard to find new shows. Yeah, and, and this one is actually a short event series sort of thing. So at least you know you're going to get a full story out of it. Oh, there we go. Which is always the case with CBS. <laughs> Or Fox, or, or really anybody for that matter. Nobody in television really knows anymore, you know, how, how far they want things to go. Shows are getting picked up and canceled and, you know, bam, boom. I mean, what was the last thing that CBS, the big event thing that CBS had going on that they canceled in the middle of it? Uh, um, you know, I know NBC has done a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, who watches network television, really? I don't even know who, who still watches that. Not, not much. Like, I mean, if you, if you didn't have, I mean, this is like very specifically Keith Conrad sort of stuff, you know, because this is about an asteroid that's about to, uh, sh- about to show up and wipe out humanity, and an Elon Musk sort of guy is involved in the plan to, to save all of us. So, I mean, that, that just screams out, we want Keith Conrad to watch. <laughs> Well, you're right. It's the Keith Conrad demographic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know who else is watching it. I haven't seen the ratings. But, you know, they, they've got me, if nothing else. So I, that's what they did in the pitch se- session. And then the executive goes, so who's going to watch this sort of thing? And they'll go, we know Keith Conrad will. Well, you, so, know, you know, 20 years ago, I'm sure James Cameron was saying, I want to make a movie about the Titanic. You know Keith Conrad is going to watch it because it's about the Titanic about the Titanic and guess what he was right he was yes (laughs) speaking of beloved franchises making some changes uh there's a 13th doctor wow yeah that was announced I'm telling you it's um this is another thing that was just announced before we decided to record this podcast um the the BBC knowing that uh, Peter Capaldi had filmed his last scenes the um the Christmas special, the Doctor Who Christmas special, um, has fi- finished filming. They're done. Peter Capaldi did his last lines. He has he has now uh, um, given up the character of the Doctor, and they knew it was only a matter of time before you saw who the new Doctor was going to be, and they didn't want to leak. So they thought, well, you know what? We know we've got Wimbledon going on. Um, we're going to have a huge viewership after Wimbledon is done on BBC One. And then after that, we'll, they run a little trailer revealing who the new Doctor was going to be. And yes, they have cast a woman as the new Doctor. It's something that they've been talking about. You know, it's been debated among fandom for a while. Well, I remember um, before uh, Peter Capaldi was, was named, uh, you know, for, for this past run, uh, that was something that a lot of people were talking about was whether uh, whether or not it should be a woman. Uh, th- ironically enough, there were people debating whether or not it could be a woman, which to me is just dumb because there's there's no rules. You're you're making this thing up as you can go along. It can be whatever you want it to be. Right. Yeah. And even though Stephen Moffat established that during his run, that that Time Lords, when they regenerate, can regenerate as women. Uh, the Master did that. The Master regenerated as Missy. So we already had one character that was traditionally known as a male uh, to um, to regenerate as a woman. And then um, Jodie Whittaker um, from the third season of Broadchurch 
is taking on the role of the doctor in the new season, um, which really, I, I guess, really shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone because the new showrunner on Doctor Who is Chris Chibnall, who ran also ran uh, created and ran Broadchurch. So he was very familiar with her, with Jodie Whittaker. Um, also familiar with David Tennant, because David Tennant was on the show. So there was like this, I was in the back of my head, I was wondering, would they really do that? Would they like really like decide to start over and like bring back, you know, like someone who'd done it previously? But um, but no, they decided. I, if you ask me, this is uh, a direction of the character that actually is long overdue. And I'm telling you, it actually helps me keep my interest in the show because, um, you know, it, it, there's only so much you can do with a time traveling alien, ironically. Um, I think, you know, you know, uh, having the character generate now, regenerate as a woman, hopefully will bring a different um, perspective, a different uh, shift the paradigm for the character and, you know, make things interesting. I know I'm looking forward to it. Although um, I had to turn off social media after the announcement was done. You had all these folks who were happy about it. And then you had the angry nerds <laughs> who were like, ah. How often have, have we uttered that phrase here on Geek Counter Geek? And then you had the angry nerds. And you had the angry nerds, right. And you know what's the funny thing, too? Is I've, I've seen women on my timeline complaining about it. Like, they weren't happy with the idea of the doctor becoming a woman. I'm like, I don't get that. I'll be honest. I don't get that. Um, I had, you know, someone said, well, the, the, the doctor should have been someone of a person of color or an Asian that, 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 you know, you know, just making her a woman. That, that's such a small market. <laughs> how about, uh, how about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, that the time Lord, you wouldn't think that the time Lord is, is necessarily going to know any, uh, any national boundaries, how about uh, suddenly, uh, you know, a, a season takes place in uh, in China or, you know, yeah, somewhere I mean, else? I, to me, it's like the, I just found, you know, the whole bit. Again, I, it's very silly. And it's uh, the, the other thing that always gets me is that the people who are complaining the most about Doctor Who are the ones who aren't even really watching the show. You know, you know, they say, oh, Doctor Who's a woman now. Well, I didn't watch it before. I'm not going to watch it now. I'm like, well, OK, well, guess what? The show wasn't for you anyway. You know, you're not watching it as it is when they were doing all the traditional things with, you know, with um, the traditionally cast male characters. You know, now they want to shake things up a bit, do something new. That's always to me. That's the greatest. That's the one thing that really irks me the most with fandom, with nerddom, you know, but beyond the sense of entitlement. Is a whole well they shouldn't have made that change they ruined it I'm going okay when's the last time you watched that show or read that comic oh I haven't watched it or read it in forever okay then guess what it wasn't for you, you know? and, and and you know second of all we, we haven't actually seen her so how can you know they ruined it yeah I mean I'm sure it's gonna be great I'm sure she's gonna be great you know and I'm like okay fine you know the, the, it's it's a change but I mean the show is constantly changing. You know, they're, 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 the show is always going through these different iterations. You know, one one time the doctor will be really young, and one time the doctor will be much older, and one time, you know, I mean, it's only a matter of time before you know the, uh, they, they say that the doctor could be gay. But he's even said that time lords really aren't um, bound by um, 
by um, sexual orientation like humans are. Fine, fine. Um, so great. And then, you know, it, it's, you know, the people who are complaining the loudest though, are the ones who weren't really watching the show. And then, you know, it, 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 that just flabbergasts me that people have to like, start, not, again, knocking it down, as you said, before you even see how the show goes and then bringing your own preconceived biases and projecting it on there. And even to the point where, again, you're not even the person consuming the product. You know, how many people complained about Captain America becoming a Hydra agent and they never read the comic book before? Like, <laughs> you know, oh, I, I, I remember having that discussion with people online. Okay, so what did you think of, you know, well, when, when Captain America was this, what did you think of the book then? Oh, I didn't read it. Well, then, okay, then fine. You're not even reading the comic in the first place. If you're not watching the show, why are you complaining about it? Oh, the one I love the most is the folks who go, I don't care about it, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, actually, you did care about it. You cared enough about it to express that you don't care. Yeah, well, it sort, sort of takes the star chart of your argument when you're talking about it to begin with, especially when you're the one who brought it up. Right. Like, it's like when people, like when people go, I, I could care less. I go, I, I actually said that once. I go, I could care less. And then, you know, I, I did that purposely. I, I could care less. You know, I, I don't care a lot. I could care less. And then someone said, well, don't you mean you couldn't care less? Because I, mean, I, went, I went, no, actually I could. But now that you've brought it up, I, now I can't. I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the whole, we feel so... We feel this need <laughs> to say, you know, how, you know, I don't care about this. Look at me. Look at my apathy that I'm expressing right now. I am so apathetic. I don't care if you acknowledge my apathy either. But, you know, they, they want you to. Anywho. So Jodie Whittaker, the first uh, woman to portray uh, the doctor, um, which does bring up a good question okay so they so they've recast the doctor which happens uh, you know it, it happens every couple of years at, at this point it's it's certainly nothing new um yeah, it seems like they can't the, the actors can't stay on more than three years right now they got, it's a little uh, like being defense against the dark arts teacher at uh, at hogwarts at hogwarts yeah. yeah you don't stay very long yeah um now you know the uh the the police call box i mean that's that's a bit of an antiquated notion. I mean, it made sense at the beginning. So when do they recast that? Uh, I hear, I hear that there are there are a couple phone booths right now that are um, that are in the the running right now. They're auditioning. There's an open casting call, and they might cast an American for this one. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron?